and welcome to the Living With Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Simone Denny, and I'm here to uncover how we find more joy, greater fulfillment, and deeper purpose in our lives. I will be sharing my own journey, as well as insights from thought leaders and everyday people who are living with purpose and have created a life they truly love. Hello and welcome to the show today. It's a real delight to have you here and I'm so excited to share our guest today, Dawn Grace Kelly. She is just a wealth of knowledge on all things to do with healing, to do with forgiveness, which is really what we're going to dive into today, although she covers so many different aspects around emotional healing, spiritual healing, and she just goes deep. So if you're ready to really get stuck into this topic, and even if you think you might not need to practice in the area of forgiveness, this is, there's so many useful tools to understand why we need to forgive, how it has an impact on our physical well-being, on our mental well-being, and why we need to let it go for this life and lives beyond lives beyond us. So let me tell you about Dawn. She has been working in the healing field with clients and students for over 25 years. She's a spiritual healer. She's a teacher. She works with light workers. She's a mentor and she's a guide. Her passion is for supporting light workers to step up and to do the work and share the work with others. That's, you know, you can just see she's so passionate about this topic. She's also the author of Truth, Spirit, Love, uh, which I personally highly recommend. It's actually what brought me to Dawn. I picked it up randomly in a bookshop and just thought this is what the world needs, just a really practical guide on how to do the work from a really compassionate place. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Her studies include hypnotherapy, past life regression, tarot, spiritual healing. She's a Reiki master. She's done a lot of work around inner child work, which we talk about today, channeling, shadow work, equine, psychotherapy, codependency, addiction, counseling, training, boundary work, and more. She's incredibly intuitive. She just knows really where to take people on their journey. So I'm really, really excited to share her wisdom with you today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm delighted to have Dawn Grace Kelly join me today, and it is such an honor to have her here. I was fortunate enough to have Dawn come and speak to my group called The Hatchery, which is where people go after they've been working on their purpose to kind of carry on the work, to stay on the path. And Dawn shared an amazing talk with us, a workshop on intuition, and it was such a hit. It really resonated so much with everyone and and everyone wanted more time with Dawn. So I thought I would share her with you today. So welcome, (laughs) welcome Dawn. It's so lovely to have you here. Oh, I'm happy to be shared. That's funny. Thanks for having me. It's it's lovely. Sharing the Truth, Spirit, Love, which is the name of your wonderful book that actually brought us together. And um, we will talk a little bit more about that. So Dawn, 
in your book and um you know i've heard you've you've got a, a you're very good at sharing your authentic journey yourself can you just share a little bit about how you have come to do what you do how i've come to do what i do <laughs> <laughs> i always wonder where that actually begins because it's not even birth where it begins really is it so you know that can go back a long time but but let's stay in just this lifetime um because it's certainly not just from here but in this incarnation I was drawn um in my teen years uh, I was naturally inclined towards natural medicine so I wanted to be a naturopath and I started my studies in that area uh I got lured into the glamour of life as a flight attendant which was you know really very different from what I had been interested in but you know I was in my 20s and you know I got lured that way I put my studies on hold and as I matured through my 20s well that's a joke really who's mature in their 20s (laughs) sorry 20 year olds but you know we like to think we are I certainly like to think I was but as I got through that decade I started to be more um reflective I guess and my personal growth journey began and in the mix of that mid-20s um I, I I can't really talk about this without mentioning mum actually my my mum Jan Kelly Smith is an astrologer a professional astrologer so and she's been studying esoterics and metaphysics since I was a kid so I guess those teachings have always been around me although I was doing my own thing and it wasn't till my late 20s that I started noticing mum's books and like wow this is amazing and she's like yeah they've been on my shelves for like 20 years Um, so I started getting a little bit more interested in what she was into and um, that led me to tarot mum was doing tarot at the time and I just thought all her stuff was cool but I was on this other kind of path but um, as my journey started my inner journey started unfolding in my late 20s I um well what happened next I started getting back into my studies while I was still a flight attendant and massage and and things like that which led me to spiritual healing and I talk about this in my book I think but spiritual healing um when energies come through and work through your body just blew my mind and I was kind of hooked on that whole um reality of the spirit world and I think I'd been channeling for a little bit prior to that actually I'd learned automatic writing from mum so I was in touch with my brother who had passed in my mid-20s and that had blown my mind so I was just starting to get a bit more esoteric anyway the spiritual healing led me to study that and uh, work with guides around that and that led me into past life regression as a client and I loved that so I decided to learn it and slowly slowly I got more things under my belt being a flight attendant wasn't as glamorous as it was when I was younger so I made the shift and felt really called to work for myself which is what I did back in Perth in the 90s Mm. oh what a beautiful journey and I I think (laughs) interesting sometimes that we sometimes we go back to our where we started isn't it that that curiosity about healing and often it starts with healing the body and getting curious about what do we eat what do we put in our body and then we kind of deviate in different ways and often you come back to something it's still based on the same concept but it's just expansive isn't it you're absolutely right and and you know something else I think is interesting is when I look at that 10-year career when I was flying I mean it seems like an anomaly with what I do but in actual fact um it was a big part of my training yes, yes. it just wasn't so obvious yeah. you know I, I was a cabin manager so I learned to speak in public 
I learned, I mean, I, I haven't listed all the things, but I can see that that was perfect for me moving into teaching and speaking and more of the other things that I do. Mm. So I think all of these sort of random jobs have got their place in our training somehow as well. Oh, I, totally, <laughs> I totally agree. And uh, yeah. Steve Jobs says, we can only look back to connect the dots which I think is such a nice way because often we, we're like, how is this fitting in? When, and, and it all just, same with me doing a big you know, amount of my life in investment banking. I'm like, well, how did that fit in with what I do? But it all connects. To but me. I bet it does. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. But yeah, you can only kind of see it in retrospect. So you talked about this um, spiritual healing and and kind of how you've really gravitated to that and you have a a definite gift in that area. What what does emotional healing mean to you? Well, it's kind of become uh, everything or almost everything emotional healing. So what does emotional healing mean to me? I was, it's probably not a term I use so much, although I do have a, 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 a part of my book called emotional healing to, to try and grab these things together. But I guess to me, it means it, it's a major component, uh, a pivotal component in any sort of healing. So when I think of healing, I think of holistic healing and I use that word uh, with its definition to mean physical emotional, mental and spiritual healing work. In order to heal something physically, so if we come from, we can come from a few angles with emotional healing, but in order to heal something physically and permanently, like to truly, truly move that on, we can't do that if we haven't done the psychological work. So the emotional healing work is about how I see this, releasing Um, constricted, um, long-held energy patterns that are emotions in our system so we can get to the root of what's really happening here. So it's one part, it's a key component of healing any psychological issue or any physical issue. Mm. Uh, Yeah, that's probably a tight sort of definition Mm, for me for now. Yeah, yeah, shifting those bits that get stuck maybe from our past or from our experience. And I think that leads me to kind of my next question. We are a lot of time, I think, in our generation, we're stuck in our heads and and we see it through a lot of overthinking or feeling anxiety and, and thinking our way out of things. And you talk a lot throughout your book about the importance of getting back in our body can you talk about why it's oh, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm passionate about that and I do talk a lot about that. I think around the time I wrote the book, it, it, it came to me that, you know, we've heard this term get back into your body and get grounded. I mean, we've been hearing that for a long time. But I, I, I realise that it's like the new spirituality, really. You know, we've spent all of this time wanting to connect up through these higher chakras and to a certain extent we've lost our connection to ourself but I've learned that we're not in our body as much as we'd like to think we are and I think we are obviously not in our body when we're um, doing a list of particular things like overthinking and getting into the past and getting into the future but I also think when we think we're in our body we're not always fully in our body and we've got that classic um, 
line that people say, you know, you hop in the car and you don't realise that you've got to your destination because you've been busy thinking all along the way. That's definitely being ungrounded and we can operate on automatic to a certain extent. And obviously we've got uh, a small percentage of our spirit in our body to even get to our destination in the car, yet that's not fully grounded. And I think um, that, that in our day-to-day -day life, it can be less obvious than that car drive when we think we're present, but in actual fact, our, our thoughts are, well, we could be fully ruminating about the future, which, which we don't always catch that. That's definitely not in our body. But just going about our day-to-day -day lives, I think we can operate on um, a good level of our spirit or our power or our energy in our system, but a good amount of it not. So I, I've learned that in order to heal, um, you know, first and foremost, I, I am a, a healer, I, I guess. I mean, that is my background, although, you know, teaching's my, my biggest thing. But, I mean, I've got this core as a healer. And to want to, to heal anything, we can't do that if we're not fully present in our body. So thoughts, well, energy goes where thoughts go. So if, if you are in the past, if you are in the future, if you are um, in another dimension, you might not even know that. If you've just like exited for, for some reason, then we're not going to know. Well, one, we're not going to have all of our energy in present time. And if you want to heal, you want maximum power in present time. So one, we're not going to have that. Two, what else happens? we're not in control of our lives because we don't actually know what we need. So, so there's a good thing to remember. That's probably in, my, in the bullet points about that. I've got a big chapter about being in your body in that book. But if we're not in control of our lives, th th then who is? <laughs> we don't want anybody else being in control of our lives. So this is not, that, that's not cool. And we can, we could certainly expand on that because all sorts of things can happen when we're not in our body. But the other important thing is we don't know what we're feeling. And that's a chronic, um, that's a chronic condition globally, not knowing how we feel. I mean, there's so many directions I can go with that. But if we don't know what we feel, we can't um, know what we need. And if we don't know what we need, then we're going to rely on our addictions. And you know what all, you know, all our drugs and alcohol and busy and internet and sex and shopping and, you know, all the things that we do to avoid uncomfortable feelings. And we do that unconsciously. Um, so I don't know. I'm going in many directions with this. I can't even remember your question. Yeah, now, no, no, it's beautiful. And I, I love that you, <laughs> I love that you covered exact. I mean, there it is such a big question in itself, but I also love, uh, you know, this idea that a lot of us uh filling the space with other things because we don't want to feel some of the things that feel painful and I think that's a you know a, a, a key thing that a lot of us start to realize that we're we don't even realize we're avoiding feeling because of that which I really yeah I can give you a little example of that because you know my life has been my best teacher really and I know this stuff well now so I think I'm pretty good at it but, you know, just we've, we've had a big week here in New Zealand with lots of announcements um, that are affecting our, our, my own family's life here. And I had noticed, what did I notice? I noticed that my husband and I were, were bickering. So 
knowing what I know, it's like, okay, I just need to zip my mouth and just back off a little bit here. But actually, it's really pissing me off and I want to get my point across. So I was dancing, dancing around with that. And then I was noticing that the next day that I was uh, really busy, I was letting, uh, you know, it, it's an addiction that I don't always pick up on still. I was cleaning. I was doing a lot of cleaning. And the house needed cleaning, so it can look quite justifiable. But I was busy and I had this tense kind of vibe about me whenever I saw my partner because of whatever he'd said the night before. But when I went into a deep meditation later that evening, because I hadn't been, I wasn't feeling great. It's like, I've got to find out what's going on here. And I settled right down and came into my body. And, and this was very subtle for me. So I think this is hard for, it's hard for us collectively. It was very subtle to notice that I was feeling uh, sadness, like grief, actually. I was like, oh, what the hell? I had no idea. No idea. So as I breathed into this, and it was very subtle, the more I breathed and connected, it's like, whoa. And then a few tears came. I didn't have story with that, though. And because we, we often want story, that can be like we can start analysing what's going on, why, 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 and which takes us away from the feeling. But as I concentrated staying on the feeling, some emotion could process. I know now that if we're meant to know where it's from, that will come at some point, and it did come afterwards, but I had nothing to pin it on. So my point here is I had a couple of days of what I'd call addiction, doing things to avoid coming into a feeling out of, out of a long, long-held habit. And it wasn't until I sat still to come fully into my body and realised actually, you know, that anger and all of that doing was covering up me not wanting to feel some grief about, well, I won't even go through that whole story, but there's things to grieve for a lot of us at the moment. So um, it's just yeah. a good example of how tricky it can be to actually come to the body and not stay in the head. I wasn't actually, prior to that meditation, I wasn't overthinking or anything, but in the background, there, my thoughts had gone to all sorts of places that weren't in my body. So hopefully that's a helpful example. Mm, that's, an, that's an amazing example and definitely one I can <laughs> relate to as well recently, just that underlying worry or stress is getting turning into reactions that often get directed at other people, but then that the beautiful power of taking responsibility for your feelings and actually getting really curious about those so that you can can communicate better to the other person as well off the back of that and go, this is actually what I'm really feeling can, can be helpful. I find as well. Oh, look, it brought us so close. And this is how we tend to play it in our relationship, in our relationship, my husband and I, it's brought so much deep connection when I was able to drop in and the more vulnerable I was, the more vulnerable he could be. And then we're both fully present and vulnerability means deep connection. Beautiful. So, you know, yeah. it, it took that little process for me to realize how stressed I was. I didn't actually realize that. But in naming the feelings, naming the grief, naming the stress, some of the charge dissipated and I feel calmer. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, we could talk just about that process the whole <laughs> this whole session but I will start to move us into forgiveness which actually Good, yeah. you know it moves beautifully into that because often we feel resentment towards someone or anger towards someone and that's part of what comes up when we stop and feel things so can you share with us why forgiveness is important I think you kind of talk about it as an evolved part of our healing process 
I do think it's an evolved practice, totally. I think it's, a, you know, to do it well, it's a spiritual practice. Uh, forgiveness. So years ago in my private practice when I was doing more one-on-one -on -one work, I noticed when I was taking people back into their history to do maybe what I'd call inner child work, making peace with some of their trauma, that when <clears throat> forgiveness was part of that process, uh, miraculous healings were happening, like miraculous physical healings were happening and psychological healings were really sticking rather than band-aiding. And so I wanted to explore that more. And the best exploration of that, apart from, you know, not apart from, away from any training or um, teachers in that field was my, my own journey. So as I, you know, I've been working for a long time in therapy and with healers on making peace with a lot of trauma from my own history. And I, I discovered that... I don't know which, which is the best. Oh, there's just so much in this topic, isn't there? But once I had forgiven my, what I perceived were my perpetrators, that was kind of uh, a bit of work, but it wasn't as hard as realising I hadn't forgiven myself. So I don't know. I'm probably sliding into self-forgiveness. Maybe we can talk more about that soon. But when I went into a process around that for myself, I was able to heal some actual physical stuff that was um, quite a big deal. And I, I saw those shifts within myself. I've been seeing it with my clients. I saw it within myself. You know, spiritual teachers have brought this topic to me. And, you know, throwing all of that together, I, I learned that this is key. And I can, I can talk a, a, a little bit about why that's key if you want. But Yeah. Yes, I'd love, love to hear more. Yeah. Um, so thinking about the major energy centers in our body, the or chakras maybe, they are like spinning vortexes of energy in our, in our system and they resonate with different um, thoughts or different issues and they vitalize different parts of our physical body. So resentment or a lack of forgiveness, just like a lack of being able to love, which is connected to that, will sit in this region of our body so yeah just for those of you who can't see it's it's that chest area isn't it dawn Chris? oh yeah thanks yeah <laughs> we're on video while we're recording this so i'm waving my hands around all over the place but <laughs> yeah so around the chest area is where the frequency of love and hate sit probably just to keep it really simple uh and maybe that's maybe you need a 101 on chakras, but this is um, these are energetic patterns. And, and when a chakra or an energy center, if you want to call it that, isn't um, functioning optimally, like bringing universal life force energy into your system, it means there's something in the way. And so it's discordant energy that will block or partially block a center. So that will be anything that has a fear-based, a fear-based pattern, which is all our feelings and thoughts that ha have a fear-based nature, or some people might say negative um, nature. 
and that will block how the energy is flowing in. So if we don't get maximum energy flow into our heart region, for example, and we're talking about the heart because that's connected with forgiveness, that then our, our physical heart, our lungs, our breasts, our arms are not vitalized with full power energy. And in an area where our heart is, we want maximum energetic flow there because that's, you know, the place that goes boom when it doesn't get it. So if we have resentment or, yeah, resentment, if we have resentment sitting there, we're not getting maximum flow in. So we're compromising our physical heart. We're compromising our lungs. We're compromising our breasts. I mean, you just need to think about heart attacks and breast cancer and lung issues to know how prevalent that is. Um, the heart center doesn't only resonate with those things. Loneliness is another thing that sits there, but you know, we're not talking about the heart chakra, more about forgiveness. So when we, if we don't forgive, we're not getting a good flow of energy through here. So, so one, that's our organs in this system, in this area. So two, we also um, don't feel love. I mean, you might be able to relate to this just if you think about your partner or somebody close to you when you're feeling angry about something they've done. I, I've noticed this with my partner and I see this in, in relationships, that, that line, I don't even know if I love him anymore. Mm. Well, actually what's going on is your heart chakra is congested and you can't come to that feeling. You can't feel that feeling because... Um, there's too much discordancy in the way. So it, it, it can also stop you from feeling joy and happiness and love for other people and for yourself. I mean, and just that in and of itself is really enough to realise that it's going to mess your life up. Mm. So when you can't feel those things, then you start to move towards your addictions, the things that will make you feel good. You'll want to eat and you'll want to use pills and whatever else to try and feel better. But in actual fact, there's something in the way of you coming to your authentic heart nature. And one of those things in the way would be resentment because we're talking about not being able to forgive and what happens there. So when you don't forgive um, dis, dis ease, I spell that with a hyphen in the middle, um, but when you take that hyphen out, there's your medical disease that, that you know, ha having been in this field for over 25 years, I, I can tell you for certain that you will get sick. You will get sick if you don't forgive. It will just be a matter of time of when there will be some physical manifestation of that. And you will have psychological ill health or dis-ease because you can't access the full range of feelings. So it be, it's quite a serious issue, not forgiving, really. Isn't it? And we, we hold on to it because we feel like we're hurting someone else for what they did, right? It's kind of like, this is your punishment, but really what I'm hearing you say is that we are punishing ourselves in that process. We're punishing ourselves physically, emotionally, by not allowing ourselves to move through that. Yeah, we're actually not doing a lot to them at all. Mm. It's really to ourselves. Mm. Can I just read you a little piece of um, just a couple of paragraphs yes. from a mentor of mine back oh, in the I day? Lo I loved that piece. I was almost wanting to read that myself today because it's it was such a beautiful piece in, in the forgiveness section. So, yes. I yeah, I, I love it. And I find it really powerful. So those of you listening, I think you might like this. 
So Barry Elwyn Jones is a beautiful mentor of mine. He was my massage teacher back in the 90s and he introduced me to spiritual healing and became a mentor for me while I was there in Perth. And he's written quite a bit as well. But these words of his from one of his books, uh, I, I found really helpful. Forgiveness is the doorway to enlightenment or love consciousness. Like, how cool is that? I mean, that's just cool to start with. Because without completely forgiving, you can't move on. It will always be the anchor that holds you back. Sooner or later, you must do it for your own sake. A lack of forgiveness is a prison in your system that will rob you of your spiritual life. If you hate one soul, you'll never be able to love another completely. So, I mean, that changes up, up a lot just knowing that. When we hold unforgiveness in our hearts and minds, we poison our being with dark energies that foster anger that we suppress and dent. This dishonoring of our being brings emotional pain that destroys our quality of life. And th this is the sort of pain that we think is sort of our normal day-to-day -day pain. But there's actually a root, of course. Each experience that comes to us is filtered through this attitude, thereby diluting our enjoyment and experience of the joy of being alive. It's so true. The longer we hold hard thoughts of unforgiveness, the weaker our light becomes. So light workers, you just don't want to be a part of this. Nobody does really, but, but especially if you're a light worker and you know you're here to help raise people's vibration and help people um, awaken on the planet, you want your light. So consequently, the deeper the hurt from our self-dishonoring, the person who holds the unforgiveness is the victim of their own anger and does little or no damage to their perceived victims. The people closest to them become the secondary victims. So, so those in your orbit are the ones feeling this sort of leaky anger and this continual bad mood or whatever, whatever you think is probably your personality is probably just a lack of forgiveness. Wow. Anyway, I, lo I, I love that last part about the sec, you know, the secondary people become where that gets channeled. That is really powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I just think about the, that little example I gave the other day, you know, I would have, I was on a call to, I don't know, one of those annoying calls we have to do when shit isn't working <laughs> and you've got to ring somebody. And my attitude was bad. I mean, and that didn't help her. I had to, I had to realize, hang on, you know, you've got to rein it in a little bit here. But it's just an example of how you can just go off to the shop and that little bad mood can just start rubbing off and then that rubs off onto somebody else. So it becomes this self-perpetuating yuckiness yeah. Yeah. spreading out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. I know what everyone's thinking now is like, okay, I, I get this dawn, like this is not good. I don't want to carry this around. It's diluting my light. It's making me channel some of these, this, this mm. um, resentment in other forms to other people. So how, how do we forgive somebody when we have been hurt? You know, that heart space, it's almost like somebody has broken our heart. We feel a little bit, we feel pain and we're like, why would we, like, how do we even heal that? Yeah. <laughs> and talking about why, why it's not a good idea not to forgive is easier than talking about how to forgive because it's, it's definitely a process. But let's, let's talk about that. So first of all, 
we probably need to bust some forgiveness myths. Uh, that's probably the very first thing, actually, because the one of the myths of forgiveness is that you're saying what somebody did to you was okay. Yes. So yeah. that's what we've been taught. I mean, that's what, or, or that's what we've picked up by osmosis through our lives or religion or something. So forgiveness isn't about saying what somebody did to you is okay, because obviously being beaten is not okay. That's not okay on a human level. That's not how we treat one another. Yet this is, uh, this takes us into considering the spiritual element of forgiveness because it really is a spiritual practice. And at some point in our evolution, we will learn that we are all incarnating with a play that we've got to play out here. And we need some players to do some shit to us for our learning. So myth number one, forgiveness doesn't mean you're saying it's okay. Yeah. Forgiveness is actually about unplugging your energy from the past. So when you have resentment, whether it's unconscious or conscious, and it's often unconscious, so sometimes it's a, it's a journey to even know that that's happening for you, but whether it's conscious or unconscious, you have some of your precious life force energy going back in time, locking into your perpetrator or your perceived perpetrator because it's always about us. It's okay. I won't, I won't take us sideways into that angle. <laughs> um, so some of your energy is back in time. That means you are not fully present. You are not fully present. Some of your life force is going back. And if you're on a physical healing mission, if you have cancer, you don't want your life force all over the show. You want it with you maximizing this cellular healing that you're working on at the moment. So forgiveness is about unplugging your energy from that person, from that situation and bringing it back into current time. It, it's about saying, um, I understand that you did things the way you did because you didn't know any different. I'm not saying I liked it. In fact, it sucked. It was traumatic and it's, you know, messed with my life big time. But I am saying I'm unplugging from this and I trust that there are lessons for us. Even if I don't know what the hell they are, I trust the spiritual process that this was meant to be. Essentially, we're drawing our energy out of, out of the past and bringing it back into present time. So just coming back to what I was talking about there, the myth of saying that what you did is okay. Obviously, you never want to say that that's okay and that could stop you forgiving. So it's not that. And it's not rolling over, you know, this term rolling over and being the weak person and meaning they've got all the power. It's not that either. It's about unplugging from the past and coming into present time and trusting this spiritual process that you two were together or, or, or that situation or group of people or whatever were together for a reason. And maybe that reason comes to you. Maybe that becomes apparent and maybe it doesn't. But we must trust our spiritual path because we choose our lives. So this is where it becomes a spiritual process. So if you don't have any concept of spirituality, it will be hard to forgive. It really would be. So, you know, we, we're in spirit world knowing that we need you know, we need to learn about self-love. We need to learn about boundaries because of whatever's happened before. 
and you know someone in your soul group will put their hand up i'll be the one who rapes you i'll be your boyfriend i'll do that for you so you can learn all of that yeah i'll learn xyz so yeah let's do that and you're like woohoo and then you come down and incarnate and it all becomes way more serious of course when we're here but if you hold resentment there you're losing some of your life force energy so you don't have to like the person you don't have to talk to the person but you do have to disconnect your energy and bring it back into present time. So first we need to bust a few myths. I think second, so I mean, I mean, you could be with one for a long time, just trying to get your head around that sort of thing. So it's definitely a process. Step two is, if we're going to do it in steps, you need to feel your feelings. You can't forgive if you're still sad or angry. Impossible. So that's a process as well that will take as long as it needs to take. So if we think about what's a good example, um, say you've had a, a repressed memory come through, which is something I'm familiar with and I'm, you know, my clients are familiar with. Suddenly you're in your 40s or what have you and a memory appears that you didn't even know happened. It's like, whoa, something you've blocked out and you're at a time in your life when you're mature enough and you've got enough psychological wellness to be able to deal with that. So that comes to you and you realise what happened. And once you're over the shock of that, then you're going to have to process your anger and or your sadness, maybe your anger, let's just say it's your mother because she didn't protect you. You're going to have to process that anger and process it means you're going to have to feel it. So you're actually going to have to let some emotion come through your body and that will probably need support depending on how savvy you are with doing this kind of work, <clears throat> you probably need someone to hold some space for you. Um, or maybe you can do that on your own. There's little processes that you can do to access that. Maybe this is months of journaling. Maybe it's weeks of therapy. Maybe it's one deep meditation process. It takes as long as it takes. You've got to feel these feelings. We can pretend we're forgiving. And I think that's possibly a good start to do a little mental process to forgive. We can kind of fake it till we make it, I guess. But essentially you're going to have to uncover these feelings before you can get to true forgiveness. Um, so you need to understand what forgiveness is, that it's not saying it's okay, that you're not rolling over and being weak. You're actually being very powerful and coming back into present time and you've got to feel your feelings. And then probably the next thing is um, that I would do is a little process, a little mental process. I would guide myself or guide somebody through that process to literally bring their energy out of the past, maybe say some words of forgiveness to this other person. I think I've got a little process in my book, which you can access as an audio. I mean, really, it's essentially just seeing them and saying, I know you messed me up. I know you did the shit, but I'm pulling out of this now. I know you didn't know how to do things any differently. Or if you did, you had your reasons for your own learning. I don't know. That's your stuff. But I'm pulling out. I know we're teachers for one another and we can imagine our energy coming back to ourselves. So wherever we put our thoughts is where the energy goes. We're now bringing it out and bringing it back to ourselves and making peace, maybe seeing them in light, letting them go. Um, so it isn't something that you need to do face-to-face -face because it's actually not about the other person. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that's a really great point because I think that's where people get it tripped up that they're like, but what if they don't respond back in the way? And it's likely that they won't respond back or they're not even in your life anymore. So I think it's it's a really great you know, thing to elaborate that it can just be your own process within yourself, can't it? It's not about them at all. Yeah. However, yes, absolutely, Simone, it's not about them. However, you may feel a need because they you, you love them and they're still in your life and you may feel a need to do it via letter or in person. Um, I don't know, I'd be, I'd be cautious around that and I'd, I'd probably want a bit of professional support around knowing whether about more about your relationship and knowing whether that's a smart thing to do or not because often when we're doing this with family or close friends we are expecting something from them so if you're expecting them to to anything you're expecting from them that that's going to get in the way of the process so you can do it via letter or email or whatever face-to-face as long as you're not expecting anything back from them. So this needs really good boundaries. So you might need a bit of coaching or if you do want to do it in person or via letter, you might need a bit of support around that. And that's totally doable and that can be a beautiful process as well. So we've got to trust our intuition on this, but it needs to be done smartly because often that can take you, that, that can trigger you because your needs aren't getting met and you're expecting that other person to give you Mm. parenting or god knows what that they can't do so yeah yeah, I really I I love that description and I love the perspective that you bring into forgiveness because I think when we are you know we've had a fallout with somebody and we're in our head and again we're ruminating on they said that I said that and we're in this tiny little micro experience within our own head and what I really like that you're saying is like zoom out get perspective that this is happening for you not to you, that this is actually part of your spiritual journey. This is something you've chosen, but you can't bypass it and try to skip it. You need to actually feel it, go within it, try to find out why is this showing up for me? And then that idea of um, energetically unhooking, I really, really like that. And that, you know, that that is something, like you say, it's a process that you get to, to practice. And, you know, for me, sometimes I have to move through. It takes me some time to get through each of those phases. And totally. And, and sometimes I've so um, unhooked that I'm like, I actually just feel fine to leave it like that now, however. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely no way you can put a time frame on this because something like that example I used before of a repressed memory coming forward, that's probably going to be pretty traumatic if that's arrived. And that could take you a few weeks just to get over the shock. And then it could take you a bit, depends how dedicated you are to doing the work, but you're going to have to find all the emotions. You're going to have to work out how you're feeling about all the players involved in this. And that's going to need a process. So it takes as long as it takes. Yeah, it's definitely a process, but it's definitely powerful. And let me tell you, if you don't do this at some point, it's not going to go away. You will take this with you when you die and you will incarnate again with those same people because you've created some karma. You're holding an energetic tie to them. You've literally pulled them into your world and it's not going away. So Please wrap it up now. <laughs> it's so good. And I, I know, I know that you, you know, as part of your job, you, you, you help people 
also unhook those energetic ties from the past when you know they haven't processed mm. it maybe within that lifetime so that's a whole that's a whole other podcast that we that's a whole other po- past life work so interesting but yes. let me just say one thing about this about past life work is that whatever you whatever you're sitting with with your feelings and thoughts when you're dying just before you leave your body whatever you've got there it's going with you it's all going with you so wherever you haven't made peace that's going with you and that's okay it just means there's more to do but you know i'm all about acceleration and awakening and you know why not make peace with it now while we're smart enough and savvy enough to to do it and that can free up where you what you choose to do after you die because there's lots of options. You don't have to just keep pulling, you know, running back to earth, but you'll be drawn to, to, to come back here with those players if you haven't made peace. Yeah. So it takes that saying that says short-term pain, long-term gain to the next level, doesn't it? It's like short-term pain in this life could actually, you know, have long-term gain for, for future lifetimes even. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say, you're just making me think, I, I just want to say, it's not an easy process. Mm. Mm. It probably, it, it can be an easy process, but I would say to generalize, I would say forgiveness. It's a simple process, but but easy, definitely easy with strangers, much easier. But but you know, if you're trying to work with your mother, for example, and you're a woman, there's what I believe is the most complex relationship on the planet. You know, you've got a lot of history. You've got a lot of karma and, and that's that's complex and it can trigger other things that take you sideways from forgiveness that might need some work as well. So it can open up other stuff. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. So uh, forgiving others is, is one part of the process. What I find that comes up as well in this work and you probably do is then how do we forgive ourselves? We've maybe done something that, we labeled bad ourselves or someone else labeled bad and we feel some sense of shame or um, guilt about something that we have done uh, and and we're carrying that somewhere deep within us uh, and we usually don't want anyone to see that. Um, How do you work with that kind of Mm. self-forgiveness? We really don't want anyone else to see that because shameful stuff is like embarrassing to the max Mm. I don't think it gets any harder than that actually so now we're into much deeper work because forgiving a perpetrator of something sort of obvious is not as complex as what you're starting to talk about here but guilt and shame are um, they're massive so we're in a big field now here so I just want to get those two things sorted as to what they are so guilt is when you think what you did was wrong and shame is where you think you're wrong you're bad not what you did so shame is is very complex and and it it would be the most difficult emotion that we have to deal with so it can be either of these two things. And as children, we are guilted and shamed about all sorts of stuff from unconscious parents and unconscious caregivers and our education system, etc. and whoever you needed to be your teachers. So when we're under seven in particular, we get imprinted with these beliefs. They become part of our, our wiring, part of our brain pattern. 
uh, maybe a little bit later than that as well, but definitely everything that happens before seven gets really hardwired. So we've got some uh, more complex stuff to work with here, but it's all still workable. Everything is healable, everything. It's just a bit stickier. So when we think we're bad, well, that, that can take us into some serious stuff because that's our depression, it's our suicide, it's our self-harm, it's, you know, that, that's the worst that that can be. And that's a thing, that, that's a common thing that happens on the planet, right? I think a lot of people are dying of guilt and shame that don't need to be if they knew a little bit more. So how do you forgive yourself for these things? So first of all, you're going to have to find out what you feel guilty or ashamed of. So that's thing one. And that's probably, I think in my book I say, um, journal that out, like work it out. Yeah, find out what you haven't forgiven yourself for. And that needs some brutal honesty, brutal honesty to yourself. You're not having to share this with anybody else. However, uh, when you do vocalise to somebody else, when you do have a witness for what you're ashamed of, you can disperse a massive amount of that charge so somebody you trust can be helpful with that sort of thing. Okay, so shame and guilt. So finding out what you're ashamed of and what you're guilty of, and then I think it's a matter of I, I like to find the younger parts of ourselves, and I like to dialogue with them. That stops us, one, that stops us being them, stops us being this 13-year-old. Um, so it gives us some separation. But it also, you'll probably need support with this unless you've done quite a bit of work. You might be able to dialogue with this on your own, which is quite doable too. But with some support, you can be held to see that younger you to understand that she did things the only way she knew how like seriously I mean you, you didn't have all the life experience and personal growth knowledge and you hadn't read all the books and what have you at that time she really didn't know how to do anything else so she was trying to do she was trying to get her needs met in the ways that she was essentially. So that takes a bit of understanding and looking deep into her and seeing how she's really feeling. And that's where you might find that shame. So she needs some love. She needs some self-compassion. She needs some, some parenting from probably not her parents who didn't know how to do it properly, probably from you or your therapist or a combo of that sort of thing. So find her and let her know that there's actually nothing wrong with her. So this takes a bit of skill as a therapist as well and a bit of um, solid knowing that there truly is nothing wrong with us. We are these beautiful, amazing, heart-centred beings. What's been put on us has come from other people's opinions or from the church or from somewhere else. So we need some support to understand that. And when we understand that, then we can take our inner child or our inner teenager or, or whoever it is, we can bring them in and we can start learning how to be that parent. So the healing of that becomes self-parenting and self-compassion. So, so there's two aspects of, of this. What was I thinking about before? When you couldn't do, when you didn't know how to do anything differently, 
you did X. I mean, you went from boyfriend to boyfriend having sex all of the time and you're ashamed of that. When actually you were looking for love and energy and attention and connection and you were getting little bits of that. It makes sense because nobody taught you how to do it any differently. So just getting some understanding of that and then learning to love that part of yourself, bringing her close, that is the healing. The self-parenting, the self-compassion is the healing. But first, it can be quite a big job to unpack that this is not true, that you are not bad. And it needs your, yourself, your aware self or your therapist to be rock solid, rock effing solid, you know, really solid in this knowing that, that, that you are not bad. And this is where the healing starts to happen. And this is where you can start forgiving yourself. And then there's those things that we do where maybe we did know differently, um, yet still within this, you know, think about the kid who, you know, the, the five-year-old who picks up your favourite vase and smashes it. You know, they, they know that's not the right thing to do, but they're a kid and, that, and they have needs that are not getting met. So, you know, once we've walked out of the room and breathed and hit something and not hit our kid, you know, once we've actually regulated, then it can be, whoa, okay, there's some needs that are not getting met here and I need to connect with those. So, so that's what happens when somebody knows what to do better and they do something different. We've got to unpack that a little bit as well. Anyway, so back to the question, self-forgiveness means finding out what you need to forgive yourself for, meeting that part of you via visualisation or journaling or jumping into a different chair and being that part of, you know, all the different ways we can do that or left-handed writing to access your right brain, all different ways we can do that. And letting her know that she didn't know how to do things any differently, or she was trying to get some needs met in a way, in the only way she knew how, and I forgive you and I bring you home and I'm going to take care of you. Mm. So powerful, mega, that. mega powerful. It's even more powerful than forgiving other people. Yes, It's really life-changing forgiving yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I really agree with everything you've said. And I've seen, you know, even when I've worked through this with some people, the same process of coming back to our younger selves, what we sometimes find as well is that we don't want to lean in and be compassionate and loving to that younger self. We actually feel a distance to them because we've rejected that part of ourselves. We actually don't even want that part we just wish we could erase her and that chapter or him, whatever happened in that time. So I think coming back to your original point about forgiveness, it's a process. It's like befriending someone again, you know, after a separation, it's like, how do we encourage that connection again, which can take time because we've said, oh, I hate that part of myself and I want to reject you. And even going back to visit you sometimes causes us to push her away. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because that's super important. And, you know, I teach therapists in a child work and th this is a really important aspect of it, what you're, what you're talking about there. So, you know, if you're in a visualisation, for example, and, you know, as a therapist, I want to know whereabouts in the room do you imagine her? You know, I want to know how close is she? And, and can you bring her close to you? And if you can't, that's okay, but it's information we need to know. If you can't bring her close, 
um, or she doesn't want to come close, she doesn't trust you, and we're starting to learn that actually you might not even like this part of yourself, which is fine because we've started it, we've got an entry point, mm. and we know, and then we can start talking about actually you are rejecting this part of yourself. Um, and that's just interesting. We don't have to judge that. It's just like, whoa, okay, that's interesting. And then as we get judgment out of the picture, we can slowly bring this part back. But, but simply to learn that there's a younger me that I hate, that's powerful. That's like, whoa, wow, I don't like her at all. And then we know that there's a massive um, gap and a massive issue in current time with how you love other people and how you love yourself. You will love more conditionally when you've got that sort of thing going on. You will love when other people meet your needs. And if they don't meet your needs, then you'll be shutting down from that. So it tells us a lot and we can work with all of that because slowly, slowly, you'll get to a place where you can actually start bringing this little person back in and hold them. Incredible. But it could be a process. Oh my yeah. gosh, Dawn, I could literally talk to you all day on this stuff. I know there's so much, there's so much. We've really gone deep here. And I think it's also just know for people, like this isn't something you have to do on your own. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's quite confusing. I don't know how to, like, there are so many people who can support you through this, therapists or coaches or, you know, people who know how to take you through that process um absolutely yeah yeah so dawn um there's so many last questions but really um coming back to you like i feel like we've really dived right into the forgiveness piece what what do you believe that your purpose is to be here in the world it's a question that i quite often like to kind of bring in towards the end because this is about how we live with purpose and how we're being purposeful of how we show up as well yeah, what's my purpose? <laughs> um, I've got a, a, quite a few purposes, but I guess as an overbanner of purpose, it is about supporting light workers, what I call light workers. And I think I said this a bit earlier those of us who know we're on the planet to help awaken people. I, I'm definitely, that's definitely my purpose, but to refine it is supporting other light workers to be able to support their clients, their students. Mm. So just helping spread this awakening. I'm definitely here on the planet to help an awakening on the planet, but I want to work with those people who are working with other people and it spreads quicker. Mm. So I, I, yeah, I guess it's that my, my purpose is raising consciousness uh, via people that are via healers really mm, yeah amazing and do you have you've shared so much wisdom all like the last hour here in this space so is there any uh, anything else on forgiveness or just from your own you know inner gift that you want to share with people listening right now I think of um I think of a couple of things I, you know I think of a couple of quotes actually uh, and one of them is from my mum that everybody's right at their own level of understanding. I've found that super helpful in my life, that that helps me release judgment. And another one um, that I think is really, it's been helpful for me, but I think you'll probably like this as well, is a quote that I've got in my book. So let me just find this from Edward Bark, who did those beautiful flower essences. Uh, our object in life 
is to follow the dictates of our higher self, undeterred by the influence of others. Mm. I just love that. Mm. Our purpose in life is to follow our, 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 our own higher self and not be deterred from anybody else's influence. Oh, absolutely. That's, a, that's such a beautiful quote to close on, especially when we're talking about purpose and, yeah, moving towards the light, following your reason for being, right? And I yeah, definitely. That. And I guess to, just to throw in a couple of extras, I really encourage everybody to practice being in their body because there is so much power when you can access your own needs and your own feelings. And it's so calming and soothing to not be in the past and not be in the future. Uh, so that that's a really helpful thing and getting some support to process your feelings don't be scared of your feelings be brave and courageous and let them come through they're not going to take you out for days on end they usually only take 10 minutes you know they will move and you will feel better yes and for those of you who are wanting more guidance on this to follow a process uh dawn's book truth spirit love is full of there's 12 steps of healing in there that she really goes into detail and all of the different emotions that we feel some inner child work some some really um, digestible ways to actually do this work and I I mean I recommend this book to so many of my clients because it's such a it's a a real handbook of a complicated topic Um, so Dawn if people want to find you your work your book where where can they come and I'm going to share the links as well oh okay so Dawn Grace Kelly is my site Dawn Grace Kelly on Insta and Dawn Grace Kelly on Facebook Uh, my book's available through my website and if you're overseas you can get it on Amazon I'm mailing them out from Nelson but the book is awesome and I wrote the book so you could help yourself you know I, I don't want to have to see so many clients So the book's really, really helpful. A lot of it came through me, but it's an awesome book because you can do so much. Some of this is simple. It just needs you to get your head around some new concepts and then you can practice easy processes yourself. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, it's just a lot of what you've touched on today is that there is no real shortcut to getting to all of these processes, whether it's forgiveness of others, forgiveness of self. It, It does require some of this feeling of difficult emotions but it just means that you can move through them quicker over time doesn't it oh yeah look I love it now I mean I used to be terrified of it and I still have a habit like I said before of of avoiding them sometimes but if I've got tears coming out of my eyes I'm like everybody stop I'm feeling don't don't distract me let me just breathe and let this come it's like this miracle there's feelings wanting to shift and I know how powerful it is on the other side of that. So I definitely encourage people to do to do that. It, it will change your life, really. Thank you. Thank you, Dawn, <laughs> for sharing all of that wisdom. You really, um, it's just, it's such an honor to have you here and to share, yeah, this with everybody, this work that we all need to be doing, you know, in these challenging times or any time. Um, so thank you very much for being here. Oh, look, you're very welcome. I'm going to throw, I said I had a last thing. I'm throwing in another last thing that's just like landing in me here. It will help you be more intuitive and we all want that. We will be able to access our intuition easier and act on our intuition. Mm. I've probably got too many last. Okay, stop stop me from my last things. (laughs) I know, we might have to do part two and everybody always wants a part two (laughs) when Dawn starts her sharing, which is awesome. All right, Dawn, we'll sign off here, but thank you again. 
Yeah, thank you.